Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm your boy, Ricky. I'm Steven. Um, today, <laughs> I am... <laughs> All right, there. We, I didn't have. I didn't think about what I was going to say next. Um, let me let me take that one. Let me get a clean, clean that's take cool. on that. That gives us an edit. So that's yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, also, let me hit this again. That wicked nose candy, man. Ooh, them nose clams. Did them nose. <laughs> we got nose clams. <laughs> Welcome to the trash catch. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the trash. The Jesus Christ. Welcome to the trash cats trash cast. Home of your boys. I'm Ricky. I'm Steven. Uh, today we want to talk about entertainment. Uh, first, I'm psyched. As for this always, one. yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about this one too. Uh, Steven, you got any honorable mentions? Uh, yeah. Um. The first of which, so cool things I've seen from this week. This first one I had seen, it came out like in 2013, but my brother just reshared it with me because he forgot he had showed it to me like seven years ago. Um, it's called In Shadow Modern Odyssey. It is a short film. It's it's a story, but it's all art, um, and it's just really cool it's all set to music it's beautiful art it tells a really cool story that's pretty deep um it's kind of about where we're at today in 2020 um problems with capitalism and technology those kind of things but the art's really cool it reminds me a lot of uh the gorilla's art style i noticed that too i haven't watched the whole thing yet you sent me the link though and i kind of just scrolled you know uh, skim through it, and yeah. I definitely noticed that similarity in the art style. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's cool. That always makes me happy. I, the gorillas were like so influential. Their art. Um, so that's a really good one. In Shadow, Modern Odyssey. Um, it's on YouTube. Thirteen minutes of awesome art and music. And the other second honorable mention. I'm sending you a link. Just sent it to you. Um, cool. This artist I follow, uh, he's one of my favorite modern artists. Um, his Instagram handle is Pit of Bones. Oh, this is sick. Yeah, this piece is called Absu Disturbing the Sweet Water. Um, it's an acrylic painting, I believe. And in this guy, um, he just does really cool uh, landscape paintings, but they're... Um, they're fantasy-esque, but they're, they don't feel cheesy to me. They just feel like really beautiful, surreal alien landscapes. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm a big fan of this dude. Um, he's one of those artists that I, I wish I saw more art like this. And when I first saw his work, I was like, fuck, finally. I've been waiting to see this for a while. And... I've had the the chance to speak to him briefly um, once or twice, and he's a really cool dude. So I'm always happy to share his awesome work. Nice, yeah. I I, I know what you mean by um, how like fantasy kind of stuff can get really cheesy, especially yeah. you know um, the, some of the uh, I would say more like Dungeons and Dragons type of artwork. You know, like you can only I mean it's not to say you can only do so much with, but someone's 
idea of, I guess a lot of that artwork is usually intended to, you know, depict the character, depict the thing. So like the backgrounds kind of fall to the wayside. Um, but he's got a lot of, you know, gorgeous detail work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, attention to the scenery and the colors and, you know, it's less about the subject, more about the composition. Yeah, it's it's like the feeling of the place you're looking at. Um, yeah. His palettes are always great. I really like when concept art, not that his art is, but concept art in general. I really love fantasy concept art of uh, landscape or surrounding. Like the character stuff, I'm not not into that as much because it's often kind of Dungeons and Dragons or can get cheesy a lot easier, but the the landscape concept art is always so fun for me. Agreed. Yeah. So I thought you'd uh, like him. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I just followed him. Dope. Um, so I have actually have a, a, a honorable mention this week. Yes. Um, and I'm, I want, so this is a, this is an old thing. It's not a new thing at all. Um, <laughs> just saying earlier, you, you have, uh, you know, the, uh, all this cool newer media to bring to the table. Um, I'm usually uh, not finding new stuff, but this is actually an, um, a band that I, that my dad listened to, you know, when he was younger and he okay. got me into when I was really young, I was probably like 10 or something uh, when he first turned me on to this band. Uh, it's Queensryche. Um, I'm they not familiar. Are, yeah, they are um, one of the, uh, you know, earlier uh, um progressive concept kind of bands where they have like a story that they tell through, you know, a whole album kind of thing. Um, the instrumentals are all like, like hard rock, you know, um, eighties metal ish. Um, but it's got kind of a, I guess I want to say like an orchestral arrangement where it's, it's, it's really, it's smart. It's well put together, good instrumentals, um, the lead singer is, you know, it's kind of fucking crazy range of his voice. Um, but it, one album in particular, um, okay. that they kind of grew pretty crazy with was called operation mind crime. Mm. Um, and it was a formal, um, it was part of my formative years listening to this album. Um, like walking through my, walking through the hallways at school, you know, in, you know, fourth and fifth grade, um, with this thing in my, in my headphones. And it was, it's so wicked. This album is about, it's a guy who's like on like the fringe of society in the, you know, late eighties. And he's, um, uh, uh, you know, on drugs and, um, he finds, you know, an ad that's like, you know, find your hope, find your salvation, uh, through this like televangelist kind of guy, but really it's like a hitman for hire kind of setup that he gets involved with. <laughs> um, they, they brainwash him and, you know, make him like, he ends up going into like a trance and he murders people. And, um, it's like this tragic. It sounds wicked. It's like so, it's a fucking evil. Is, it's really good shit though. It sounds um, so funny. It, now I'm looking at their discography. They have, there's Operation Mind Crime one and two. Yeah, you, two came out like within the last like twenty years or so. Okay, two thousand four. Yeah, I haven't actually listened to all of that yet. Um, I've heard bits and pieces of it. But I figure if I'm gonna 
do it, I'm going to sit down and listen to it. And I know there were issues with the, um, the lead singer and the rest of the band and, mm. you know, which kind of, you know, that always sucks to hear. Um, yeah. but they, you know, they do a, a few different albums like that, that are all, you know, like an opera almost of how, Cause you, uh, especially with dude's voice being the way it does, he, you know, brings a lot of life to lyrics. And, and you know, I, I grew uh, uh, into liking a lot of other bands that do that, like Mastodon and like Coheed and Cambria, you know, they mm. do, you know, this whole stories and stuff. Um, so that was one of the first bands that really got me turned and in, dialed into like, Oh, people can do that shit. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's concept albums can go bad very easily, but when they're really interesting or, or beautiful, it's like, it can be so, so fun and powerful because you're going on a journey with them. Yeah, absolutely. Now um, I'm curious when you were, in fourth, fifth grade, listening to this with headphones, what were you listening to it on? Did you, were you like um, Walkman, was, iPod? Like It was, was on a, it was, you know what? I had a shitty CD player for the longest time. Oh um, yeah. And I want to say my, this was, so I, I usually, I worked and I bought, you know, stuff that I had uh, with like paper out money and stuff, but my dad had given me, oh no, th- this was before then because I would have been too young. Um, I had an old shitty CD player, uh, you know, one of the, the portable ones that's still like too big to fit in your back pocket. And it skips um, every five seconds. Yep. 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 I, I do remember this one. My dad ta- helped me buy one. It had like an auto skip, like a, a 45 second skip protection thing. Ooh. So as like, as long as you don't fuck it up too bad, you can, you were good. Dude, um, that's funny, man. Those were good old days. Like I miss CDs. Like, yeah. I I want more CDs back in my life. It's the um then I, I remember I had like all these and, and I'm surprised that like no one you know if anyone would have seen the you know of course you like writing the lyrics in like my notebooks and stuff and, like if anyone <laughs> oh, yeah. had like read any of this shit like there's one song <laughs> that, like he's got to like the priest is in on it so like he's got to murder the priest and they tell him and they tell him to kill like one of the the nuns as well but he's like in love with this nun. And like, there's this whole like one of the, the sweet sister Mary is like this kick-ass song in the middle of the album, and it's this you know it's like ten minutes long or something, and it's you know him going through this you know thing in the back of his head where like he has to do this or they're gonna kill him, but like he doesn't want to kill her, so he's like this is like the turning point of like where he has to like try to get her to like escape and like just trust him and. Like the priest like is uh, fucking, you know, raping the nuns and shit. And it's, <laughs> it's fucking brutal. Um, Dude, I'm psyched to check this out. Yeah. Um, and well, the, the other cool part about this is actually a really fun note. Like when you get to the end of the album, he's like in a mental asylum or something. And then the opening of the album is he is the sound of like the nurses coming to him in the in you know in the, the hospital or whatever so it's like it's like, can loop continuously that's and dope. He's like i remember now and then it goes into the story oh man that's so cool that yeah. that gave me instant flashbacks to uh uh dr octagon it's kind of oh shit. yeah yeah man that was my jam um and it wasn't so much that he did that but the the two big his two biggest classic albums in my opinion he wrote in a psych ward and it's just like bananas like 
crazy lyrics. Just so much fun. It was, it was um, Cool Keith. Cool Keith, Black Elvis. Lost yeah. <laughs> half shark, know, half alligator, half man. I know you, you give me, uh, um, you had the hookup on, on some uh, those music links for me, and you, you burned them oh, for me man. or something. Um, so yeah, much Yeah, definitely I'll listen to some of that shit. Yeah, every um, once in a while I go back to him. That was the, his music, that was the first time I ever got high I was listening to Cool Keith. So it oh, like, that's that's a good story. That's good, dude. This oh, this kid that's I, original too. I don't think a lot of people also have that story. Yeah, man. This kid I smoked with, he was a crazy dude. But um, we went to his place and he had like five TVs going with like just static channels, and he had like a strobe light and a black light going, and we're like smoking like a little tin foil bowl you know what yeah, i mean boy. <laughs> and we're listening to cool keith and he's like wearing a mask and then like like three hours later i realize i'm high for the first time it's so funny so yeah cool keith special to me forever nice <laughs> the um so uh without further ado um, yeah dude the... I'm, I'm psyched for this we've been trying not to talk about it till today so yeah even even up in like the recording getting everything set up we've been kind of um wanting to talk more and more about this but um the uh, uh first uh we want to talk about movies uh, yes. a couple of them in particular um but the first one is 1917 yes so this movie just came out what was it um it was in the last ago. year oh shit i thought it was more recent I actually I thought it was too, but the um, Google says uh, twenty nineteen. Oh, damn! So um, I might be super wrong too. God, and I saw. I've been trying to watch it for longer than I'd realized. But um, my dad's birthday was like two weeks ago, and I always try to get him gifts like of movies because it gives us something to do together. Um, so I got the blu-ray of it and watched it earlier this week and i was so excited to watch it and oftentimes with with film stuff like i get apprehensive of a movie i'm really excited about because it's so easy to be let down you know and i i haven't been like a big follower of the director sam mendez's work so i was like this looks awesome i heard some good things from um somebody i trusted about it but i was still kind of like rolling the dice with it and um watched it and just was ecstatic it um it was important for me It it was just a really well done piece of art yeah i i really liked it i i also i heard it from co-workers um you know like oh you gotta watch this movie actually it was around halloween and we were talking about um you know different horror movies to watch and my my goal at the time was oh i'm gonna watch you know like three horror movies a week whether i'd seen them already or not Mm -hmm. um preferably one new each week and i did not achieve that goal at all uh work got kind of wild but one of the ones they told me it's like it's not a horror movie but we just watched it and it's definitely a thriller um, it gets Definitely. pretty wild. Watch 1917. And I remember that they gave me a kind of brief description of it. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, 
and I even remember seeing a trailer for it for something. I forget if it was a movie. We went, I think it was when I, I went to go see the Joker, uh, in, in mm. theaters. Um, I saw a trailer for it and I thought, Oh, that might be good. I'm not usually into like historical fiction kind of stuff is what kind of I thought it was. Um, but then it was when, of course, when you brought it up, um, and you mentioned the cinematography, which absolutely outstanding, dude, just insanely beautiful. Um, We'll we'll get back to that for sure. Sorry, go ahead. Um, well, that that was mostly it. It's like then it was like I I was like okay, now I definitely now I have a reason. I have a full excuse. I, I have no excuse not to. Um, especially when you were like, oh, I I got it for you. We don't need to have to, you know, um, do, you know, do the the hookup for it. But man, it's just, it's I, I'm actually I'm I'm probably gonna end up buying it because it is such a good movie. I'll definitely watch it again. I'll definitely want to show it to other people. You might be able um, to download it off that Voodoo account. Uh, dude, I'll pay for it. It's I think it's worth it. It's one of those things like but, I but always try to do. you might be able do. to get it free through that. Uh, oh, I, get, so, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Um, the um, it's it, it's I always love when any film piece of any kind um does the thing where they it's like one continuous long shot. Um, I was just saying a minute ago before we started recording, um, I was watching um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia with my family the other day. Dude, that and, uh, the restaurant episode. Yeah, that we were watching that yes. one. I, I put it on because it's, it's one of my favorites, you know, both because it's, you know, the health inspection thing. <laughs> um, and it's, it's so, um, I mean, you know, it's an exaggerated version of, you know, how that goes down. But it's, it's basically, you know, you kind of, there's so many restaurants that I've worked at in the past where, you know, it's the chef's job to like go talk to the health inspector and kind of you chat them up and whatever, distract them while everyone else is running around, like making sure labels are good and like <laughs> making sure everything's kosher and, you know, throwing away shit that ain't supposed to be there or whatever. You know, if we got something fermenting and we don't have a, you know, thing for it, you gotta, you know, put it in the back or get rid of it. Um, but it, they do such a good job of it. And it's like the entire you know, the, the portion at the beginning where they don't do it, but then like once they get into the shot, yeah, I, I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, like, how are these people not fucking dying laughing? How is it possible that they're not? Not 1917 know, of uh, Sonny. Yeah, 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 of, of Sonny, yeah. How are these people not fucking bust not laughing? And that's, you know, that's like a scale in itself. And then 1917, if you're really paying attention, you can see where they could splice into yeah. different things but they do it in such a way that it's definitely not obvious and there's a know. lot of times i noticed they had opportunities to take cuts and they they didn't or it didn't yeah. appear they did because it like you said maybe at the beginning there were you know a couple um shot transitions but then like the rest of the movie you're just locked in following this soldier's soldier's journey and it's just like you are along for the ride yeah it it makes it that that point of view and perspective it just makes it so much more um real than a a typical like older style of photography cinematography it's it's such a it makes you feel like you're there and that's the other it brings it to reality so like there is a point where you know the screen goes black um dude but that it's shot 
Oh my god! It's so well I, done. It's like it's the only time where like they put the a break in that's an obvious break in, you know, filming. But it's it's so well done, and it's so much part of the scene and what's going on that it's like it's still there. It's still you know you're with it. So that that particular moment, I want to spend some time on. A same um, here because okay. coming we'll out of back. that, yeah, coming out of that was my favorite part of the whole movie, hands down, hands yeah. down. I Just knew the, you were gonna think that, and I was like, before you watched it, I was like, I want to say something about it, but I was like, I know he's gonna feel the same. I was like, we're gonna have to spend some time on it. Like I was, you know, in that moment, um, magical. Yeah, it's it's yeah. We'll, we'll definitely we'll, we can we can double back to it, but it's beautiful. So, um. um yeah, I, before I guess we'll we'll start at the beginning, but I did want to mention it. Did you watch Birdman, the movie? Um, no. Okay, I, that was I can I considered watching it, and because uh, um, well, then I learned it wasn't about Harvey Birdman, and that's disappointing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, it wasn't about it wasn't a superhero movie about um the Birdman. <laughs> So I only I watched watch it because it. I thought it was. I thought this mm-hmm. was all leading to, uh, um. Dude, that movie was like a big deal at the time because it it wasn't all shot in one shot. I believe there were cuts in it, but it was all the final movie was all edited to look like one continuous shot. No, not two shots, just one shot the whole movie. Um and that was like the first time it had ever been done that that level um that successfully that smoothly um and that was a big deal and i think that was like a great the movie was good it definitely isn't for everyone mm-hmm. um it was kind of dark and sad but it it had its amazing moments but i think that movie really to a lot of other future directors i think it served as like a proof of concept that you you could do movies it didn't have to be the whole movie as one shot but that these this new era of filmmaking could do these amazing cinematic moves through a film um, yeah and i think 1917 was just like the perfect expression of that it the the way that they convey space um it really you know uh i think they say at the beginning of the movie it's like a nine mile journey yeah um so do do we want to set it up a little bit uh yeah 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 um the so of course 1917 takes place during the first world uh, world war um, it is uh, from the perspective of the British Army um, to young uh, corporals. Um, they are tasked with the duty of take, delivering a message to the front line of another um, brigade uh, or yeah, troop. Yeah, um, they are about to launch a um, an attack on the German forces because they have retreated uh, about nine miles off their front. So mm-hmm. they're going in head first thinking that they're like pulling back because they're weekend or um, 
but then they get news that this has been a plan. It's a big trap and they're just right. walking right into it. Um, so which one is of, such a, a great setup. And what I really liked is they like, you get a little character insight and development to the, to the two lead soldiers. Um, but they set that plot up in like the first four minutes of that movie. Like, yeah, it was extremely pointed, but it was super well done. You smooth. know, because yeah. it, you already they set you up with the feeling of like no nonsense. Like you're you in know, the it's, trenches. It's, yeah, it's war. You know, you're you start off literally in the trenches of you know these these dugouts, and um, they they take you in, and um, one of the uh, uh, main characters' brother is in uh his older brother is in the other um brigade the other troop of soldiers that's about to launch its attack so right you know it becomes even more personal now that like he's he's been chosen for this mission he brought along this guy and you know he he was chosen for it he brought along this other he picked this other guy just because they were close by and i guess they were you know it gotten to know each other a little bit they didn't um, know the other guy didn't know what he was getting dragged in for he thought they might have been cleaning out latrines but his buddy says hey we got asked to do something come along with me next thing they know they're in their they're in the trenches and they're in their commander's um fucking office i guess and yeah. uh, not much of an office but um they're being told they have to save the dude's brother and his troop and it's they have to go alone on foot nine miles through uh through no man's land and the enemy's territory to warn this troop of 1600 men that if they don't reach in time by the morning are likely all going to be slaughtered and it it's like they set it up and then it's immediately off to the fucking races. This dude has to save his brother and he's him and his friend are going. And it's just like such high tension right away. I yeah. I was really impressed by that. So here here's a question for you. Um first before we go any further, um how how are we doing? Are we just gonna do spoilers or is this gonna be I thought about that too, and I kind of feel like um I think we can we do have it, it without too much, or I mean, I'm down. The, I don't give a fuck. We'll give spoilers. Yeah, I feel like fuck it. We should give like this is the spoiler warning now. Uh, nothing major has been it, given away, but definitely we're gonna go talk. Fucking yeah. go yeah. fucking watch the movie. Come back. Yeah, um, for sure. It's it's worth it. Um, the 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 scenes um, just after they get their orders and they're going through the trenches where they're. You know, just all the different people that they're passing by, just like, you know, so many fucking people crammed into this small space. Some of them are walking the other way. Some of them are, you know, just, you know, uh, um, trying to get rest or, you know, eat or whatever. You're going um, up the down know, trench. <laughs> they're fucking, you know, they're, they're dirtied and wounded. And, you know, you really, it, it sets the scene so hard. Yeah. Um, and it's bleak. But, but beautiful. And uh, one of the comments that somebody I was watching it with, um, one of the first things they 
they were paying attention to was the construction of the trenches. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because we see how that changes as they get into the enemy's territory. Yeah. Um, it was very elaborate, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I figured, that of course, there's protocols in place and the way that they do this and, you know, war's not anything new, so they there's tried and true ways of doing shit. Um, but I was surprised at how well constructed a lot of the stuff was and i'm sure it's you know based on accuracy yeah Um, but but kind of compared to um compared to a lot of other war movies they really showed like how how dirty war is and yeah um they didn't really focus on like the honor aspect of it all it was um more of a grim real look of what war can be like i would argue if anything they you know downplayed the honor part yeah you know they he definitely talked about the the one character talked about his medals and he he traded his medal away for uh, a bottle of wine because he was thirsty he's like it's just a piece of tin it doesn't mean it doesn't change anything and of course the other guys like of course it means something you know you got to take it home to my parents you know like to take it home to your family to you know to to give and um he um the one of the characters even says like i don't like going home because i know i have to come back right he's like it's easier just to stay here um that kind of stuff and uh, I, I will circle back to that thought later because mm. by the end i feel like it's not addressed, but I feel like there's a change. Yeah. Um, in his heart. Um, yeah, just absolutely. Um, the, just the, when they, when they leave the trenches, um, uh, I fucking, I love the guy that gives them directions. I forget if, you know, what his, uh, that his he, title was. He was, uh, Mordecai or whatever, the villain in the Sherlock show. Uh, Oh, I didn't realize that. And then Sherlock is later a character. In yeah, it. yeah. Uh, yeah, Mordecai or whatever. Um, he's a great little weird actor. <laughs> to specify, Sherlock Holmes is not a character in it. Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> plays oh, a character. He, I thought he was <laughs> playing Sherlock. <laughs> uh, 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 major, major Sherlock. Yeah, um, and, and he leads them um into no man's land so they're leaving the trenches they're still kind of at the start of their journey and they're going into no man's land and they have to climb out of the trenches and they're expecting to be sniped off any second and and they're climbing through the barbed wire the one of the lead characters cuts open his hand right away and then slides down a mud pit and puts his hand through it dead german body <laughs> yeah I thought, it's damn we're off to a brutal start I, I love the instructions that the guy gives them before they leave <laughs> and he's like you're gonna go to the right of the dead horse and then you go up you know past this way and there's the bowing uh, man know, the, 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 the bowing chap and then you go past him and uh you know there's a little wire you know a uh, uh, path between the the wire fence and he gives him the flair. He says, uh, "I hate losing these to the Huns. If you, if you, uh, if you're in trouble, make sure you throw it back to us." <laughs> <laughs> now, damn. <laughs> I figured you might know this, and I had been meaning to ask. Uh, when they said Huns, there were they referring to Hungarian? Were they calling the Germans so, yeah. Huns? Yeah, 
but is Hungarian at that time? Is that like you know short for German? I think it was a uh, uh, derogatory slur to um, all right. Eastern Europeans. That's what I, I figured, but I wasn't quite sure if there was an aspect I was missing there. Yeah, I think that's that was the intention. I also gotcha. I don't know for certain, but I feel yeah. like that that was the uh, the intent. Yeah. It, so they they really set it up so gritty right away, um, and then they're going through no man's land, and then they get to the German. Um. Uh, their 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 front line their their yes. old front line. They get to the German trenches. Sorry, I forgot yeah, the word yeah. "fucking trench" right now. Yeah, it's all uh, right. And uh, their the Germans' trenches were so much better constructed, and they're immediately realized that they're at first they're just glad that the Germans, in fact, were not there and they weren't going to be immediately killed. But they start realizing that. Like there's a the remnants of a fire, and that they had just left. They start seeing that their barracks were so much better built. Um, so many more men were there. Their they ammo had beds. supplies, right? They had beds, beds. and uh, you can just tell by looking. The trenches are so much deeper and more fortified. And the these two soldiers are immediately like, fuck even the rats are bigger here <laughs> yeah yeah they're searching for food and you know what, whatever they can get their hands on um <laughs> i i liked i liked how it's like uh they almost did like a checkoff's gun with the rat um you know because he, he like almost killed it or he was almost attacked it and they left it alone and then just moments later they find the tripwire and <laughs> <laughs> this panda bear of a rat sets off, <laughs> sets off a tripwire, fucking about kills them both. The trenches are collapsing. They did that really well, too. Yeah, it was super well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, even like when they when so one of the guys he's you know in the ground they pull him out and the just the dust that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, um, when he gets when he wakes him up was I thought that was really well done. Yeah, um, the, I'm sure that would probably sucked because he, he definitely just had to have you know, some <laughs> shit in his mouth that he you know and it was holding it there eat a bunch um, and crunch up a bunch of tums and yeah <laughs> puff them out here's a uh here's a nature valley bar <laughs> granola bar <laughs> the same thing so they they get through the german trenches right and then and then they're they're kind of like in the wilderness. Um, it's still like open enough, you know, and that's. But it's it's you know just on the other side of it, of yeah. the, the trenches there. But they they come across that the that's like a barn, a home and a barn. Yes, um, um, and, that was cool. They did. Yeah. That was fun. The, the way they, you know, went through, you know, their operating procedure of like, you go around front, I'll go around back. And um, the way they shot that was really good. Yeah, um, they they realized, and it they had seen it earlier, but there's a, a dogfight in the sky of these um, friendly and enemy planes. And, uh, and this is where it takes a wild turn. <laughs> dude, quick, man. Like, this is I, like, what, like 30 minutes into the movie? Yeah, into and, a two-hour movie, and it was cool because 
they're they're watching these planes and at this point the lead character is really the soldier whose brother is in the troop they're trying to save yeah. like his buddy is kind of pissed with that he has to go with them because they very well may die but it's really like the lead character is the guy whose brother they want to save I feel like for sure the he they they're they're both realizing this is a suicide mission. Yeah, and but then the dogfight in the sky. One of the German planes gets shot down, and it and how they sh- how the shot was. This plane looks like it's going into a hill, and then it turns. The plane rises above this hilltop, and about max them inside of this barn, and it's just like instant flames um do you want to go for it yeah so they they both survive the plane cra- you know the plane crashing into the barn they get away in time and they go through the effort of pull the you know the german soldier out of the the plane because they can hear him screaming you know for his life they pull him out to safety because of course the plane's on fire and he's like locked in he could die yeah they um, save they save this burning nazi save them get him out the the one guy almost kills him like instantly once they get him out and you know the the main character is like no 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 don't you know don't he's he's fine he's not doing anything let's get him some water it's yeah fine. that's right yeah get him some water he needs water as he's getting him water um the german stabs the main character right in the gut um and, and then the other dude instantly kills the nazi yeah um fires on him but then you're like holy fuck, this dude now, like, you're thinking, like, now he has to make this um, incredibly difficult mi- mission with a stab wound in his gut. And it, I would, like... I, say, I, I would like to, to interject. Uh, in 1917, they were not Nazis yet. Nazis were yeah, World War II. you're right. I mean, you know, well, the par- they're, they were definitely um, uh, um, aiming for control in Europe, but... Um, right, it the wasn't Nazi the party hadn't the political party of the Nazis wasn't fully right. formed. Right. What? So, what did they call them? Did they just call them like slurs, like the Huns, or no, did they, they just, just yeah, call them the, the Germans? The, the Germans. Gotcha. Uh, so, uh, for me, at that point, the dude, the lead character, is stabbed, and I'm thinking of like how difficult it's going to be for him to survive, and then it like slowly sets in more and more. There's no way he's gonna live. Our yeah. lead character is dead, and the, it was the so fucking, good. The the makeup they used on Homeboy. I'm not sure when it was applied. Yeah, I'm, he went I, white. I, I want to watch it again and figure out. But you can see as he's like obviously losing blood quickly. His whole face is white, and his eyes are kind of gaunt, and it's just super like a. I'm like, over. oh man, I, I thought for sure, like, okay, I guess he's gonna like carry him, and then they show him like trying to pick him up, and it's like, no, no, that's a that's a fully grown man with this, you know, all his gear on and shit. There's no fucking way he's gonna carry him nine miles. Um Yeah. Yeah. And it and then it, it's this weird moment of like um like of transference of energy. Like our lead character is dead and we have to watch this. Um reluctant soldier who had given away his his medals for wine um become the lead character to step up and save his dead comrade's brother 
and it it was that was a powerful like you felt that change absolutely um, yeah um the the reluctance of it you know was was such the powerful word because you can there, you can see him go through the emotions of it yeah of first of like you know this you know my comrade's dead my friend's dead and then realizing like i still have to do this though if yeah. he, anything i now feel he now feels more compelled to do it it's all because he him. has a purpose of i have to you know get this information to his brother and then write to his mom and you know i have to do all this so and what what i also found interesting in in retrospect was like at the same time in the movie that the plot is totally reliant on him delivering this message it's all just on him that soldier now the rest of the movie while there are other characters the success or failure of this movie is entirely on that actor now oh like yeah. he he just how it was written it he had to hold the rest of the movie if he was garbage the rest the movie would have been garbage it right. was just he did so well at taking us through the rest of this journey and even just facial expressions you know yeah because it's the, not a lot the, of dialogue the trepidation in his voice when he did speak you know it's the little things like that that we fucking nailed it yeah you so, know in, a, in a setting where you know you're shooting these long uncut scenes like you can't beef that no you know so i yeah. i wonder i'd imagine the whole sorry uh the whole production for this film had to have been so complicated like oh, absolutely such technical shots such planning dealing with um the time of day when your shots are how you hide your cuts it just it had to have been such a difficult and well-planned production. To say to to get to get those, you know, the really steady kind of camera, you know, the sweeping shots and stuff. Usually they use like tracks and stuff that they put the camera on. Yeah. Um, but in that terrain and like it moving forward, like you can see, there's no tracks there. It's like right. so like they had to have like you know almost had to have had like you know big off-road wheels on like a moving track kind of thing or a moving you know a steady cam kind of set up like i had no idea i'd like to love to look into behind the scenes on that yeah i have some background with with that kind of stuff but i i would love to watch like you said a video of their production because i i don't know how how they could do some of that so well i mean steady cam and um different things like that have gotten so much better but it it just was so smooth so that at this point our our lead actor is uh i haven't i i don't know him from anything else i recognize I, him george yeah, mckay yeah i don't uh, i don't really i don't think i've seen him in anything else either yeah um, i was gonna say from from that point um like i, I want to jump ahead okay yeah because they're just the, going through more German territory. It, it's every moment is categorized and it's, you know, uh, cataloged. I mean, there's so many, yeah. you know, just tense, whether it's conversations with other, you know, soldiers or, 
you know, he does end up running into other, you know, uh, uh, British soldiers, um, but he's on his own again. And um, the, the we were talking, we mentioned earlier the the craziest part, the part that I really loved and I, you know, kind of took away from this movie was um, there's a scene where he's getting shot at um, while he's trying to cross a bridge and he gets to the other side of the bridge, you know, uh, hunkers down. And, you know, he's realizes he's being shot at from a, like a church, it looked like. or a, it, you know, it looked like some sort of chapel. And yeah. it, it, this second story window is in the tower or yeah, at least the highest window. And um, he's firing shots back and makes his like up to this point in the movie, um, like he made it through the trenches and now he's traveled through these towns. He's lost his partner. And it's all like so intensely thrilling but it's like it's plot development he's just getting through this journey and then this point with the tower he's going up against the sniper is like a crucial turning point in the rest of the film and it's daylight at this point and i think that's important to note so yeah it's still it's still you know morning ish for them like they're expecting like this should take you know, it shouldn't take more than a you know several hours. You know, we'll get there. I think it, I think it might have been afternoon, but he had till the next morning. Yeah. So it was still at least early day. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Goes he, he, you know, puts out enough fire to get inside of the building, right. and he he's pretty sure he shot the guy because he he stopped firing back. Um, gets up there and, um you know gets into the the room where the guy was and they both shoot at each other um he i can't couldn't tell if he was if he was actually hit or he like something it he hit like his armor or something and he just fell backwards i think i think it hit his armor but what i kind of thought they might have done is he had that that tin of pictures and i think his cigarettes and pictures oh, that, yeah yeah and he purposely always placed it over his heart and i know he was wearing you know some sort of other armor as well and i i think that's what they were kind of alluding to but i i did want to rewatch that scene because i feel like there was something going on there that i may have missed so, um yeah he kills the the german soldier in this um the shootout but in the process he falls backwards down a flight of stairs in this church and cracks his fucking head open crack and And cut and it's like the first big cut or it's not a cut it's a fade to black kind of deal and did oh man i'm so excited that was so important dude like yeah that the movie changes from day to night and it is just it is an intense gloryful cinematic moment that changes the rest of the movie yeah i'll, they, I'll give they, it to you they they gave they gave the shift so much love and because it yeah. really does it changes you know like uh it i think it plays on a lot of psychology of like you know the the evil things come out at night kind of thing mm-hmm. um before they were saying you know it's nighttime the germans can't see you you should travel at night they were worried about traveling during the day right you know, and they did have issues but boy um, when, when he realizes, when he does come to and he realizes it's dark outside and it's, you know, it's 
way later than it was when he passed out. He's got, you know, he's got a lot of ground to cover and not a lot of time to do it. Um, the, the, the camera angle at this point, it goes first goes into the room where the German soldier was sitting, um, when he shot him and the lighting that is used is flares shooting across the sky. Um, pitch so you black have, night yeah, sky with these soaring flares above head and you just see the shadows change angles and it's it's fucking beautiful and then as it (laughs) as it goes outside the window you see these ruins these you know what once were buildings and you know brick and mortar setups there's just like it's almost like monoliths of you know these of light as these the the flares go across the sky and um in my head i'm remembering that there was music there but yeah. i might have i might have just okay because i was also thinking like this would make a great metal video well we didn't we didn't even there's just so much to talk about this we even kind of skipped out on the soundtrack aspects and it there was a lot of it at the beginning when they were entering the no man's land from the trenches and then during this dramatic um transition in the movie this music comes up real big again and um i really would like to listen to it some more but it's it's definitely like atmospheric um music it's not like um a specific song soundtrack kind of deal it's it's mood music and it is heavy and intense and foreboding um because at this point basically like i'm not quite sure like the the ruins are illuminated by these flares and he's injured and he basically is realizing what that the the germans are reclaiming this part of the town and he just awoken during um basically like an enemy invasion yeah and it's just like instant intensity yeah, he, he's and he's he's just running and he's of course he's getting, you know, shot at and he can't see from where and you know, it's fucking like all over the place. And yeah, there's he's he's trying to duck in for cover when he can, but it's just the the intensity that you have in that feeling in that moment of of watching him go through that and you're like, fuck any of these and like sometimes it would cut and like look behind him a little bit and like you can see, you know, a guy pop around the corner and you're like, fuck it's like he's got a good line of sight and like he can't just stop and turn around and you know whatever he's just running he's just going for it yeah um, it is more thrilling than um pretty much any movie i can think of the moments of high intensity in this film were just so thrilling like even if you you don't give a shit about history war movies whatever like if you walked in on these scenes, you're just going to be like, what the fuck? I got to see that if this dude survives. It just, you're right there with him. Now, I, I will say, I feel like this would be a good place to cut off from the plot. I agree. Because, I agree. yeah, I think some people well, can still go watch it, and we've left yeah. enough that, you know, there's I not do think be. I, I it, have to note the burning church, though. That Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. particular shot, it's like at the same kind of point. He's uh, fleeing shots, and he runs into this um, burning church from uh, from the German invasion. And it is just 
it's just so beautiful. Those moments, like, even if I didn't care about the plot at all, it, it just, they looked so beautiful. It just, there was such, it was like, mon, like you said, they were mon, beautiful monoliths of just something and, that felt I felt lucky to see on film. I you just know, and, so and it, it wasn't even just something to be pretty or showy. It was like, it was the light source, you yeah. know? And it was just, it was super well done. And, you know, if you listen to our last episode, you know exactly how we feel about burning churches. Um, yes, very the, positive. It's, yeah, I, I think there's there's so much they did, especially, you know, during the night scenes with the light play and the, mm-hmm. the stuff like that, you know, the like you said, the moving of shadows and stuff that just increases that intensity of, of uh, you know, getting your heart pumping. And, I, you know, I watched this, you know, at night while I was like in bed and um, there I realized there's definitely there's no way I'm going to fall asleep now. There's no way I'm going to fall. I, I, I'm kind <laughs> Dude, that's that's kind of what I was saying. I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> I realized, I mean, I definitely I fall asleep, fell asleep like almost directly afterward. But I knew for sure there is no way I was going to fall asleep during this movie. I was worried about it at first because I thought, man, I don't want to start it and then fuck up. And then I, because I'm going to want to watch it again from the beginning. And, um, yeah. And I, now I, I want to watch it again from the beginning. Anyways, I definitely want to yeah. watch it again and look for, you know, other details of shit. Like I definitely didn't pay enough attention. I think to the, um, the soundtrack at all. Um, hmm. I was so taken away by the, um, the cinematography um, and the, I mean the acting and the plot. Um, there was so much going on there that the I don't think the soundtrack even uh, registered. Maybe oh, you know subconsciously it did. Right. Yeah, um, I'm sure it increased the um, the effectiveness of the scenes, but it was not the main uh, focus that I had. Right. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. We'll we'll kind of switch off. Uh, from the plot, um, I don't think we need to even. Oh, you hear that train going in the background? Oh yeah, boy! I, I dude, the trains are—they're the whales of the city. <laughs> I, I really think of them that way. They make me like—I only want to live in places I can hear a train in the distance. From. Yeah, just enough in the <laughs> distance. Yeah, those little I, city whales. The city. I um I used to live um one of my apartments here I had a was somewhat near uh, a train and you couldn't hear it if you were on the ground but I was high enough um that the sound waves carried sometimes I could hear it um it was fun but no, I'm, I'm too far away from the track here it's so soothing it's the worst if you live right next to a track but oh absolutely fucking lutely. <laughs> Uh, one of my friends actually just moved into an apartment that's like maybe a block away from the track. That's rough. Yeah, it's like in in, in a major you know area here, so they it fucking definitely is laying on the horn as it's going through. Yeah, it's like you think it might not be that bad, and then if you live there, it's like bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think we need to to speak uh how the movie concludes i do think it's it is worth mentioning that if anything this movie kind of spoke um to both just the overall damage of war and it definitely was about this 
the the power of love between brothers and like friends soldiers like it, it definitely had a lot of that but i i think it was more showing just like how how bad the human race can be to each other i don't yeah, know uh, yeah i i got that too because i mean i think a main uh point that the movie made was you know it's they're kids. There was there's a scene where he yeah. he you know reunites with a bunch of you know other British soldiers and they kind of pan around and they show their faces and you're like these are all they're just young people. Yeah. You know they they're just out here to to die. You know. And um, I do think they kind of avoided it being like it wasn't like a bummer movie though. Like it no, was so, no, so I, high adrenaline. Like I feel like it spoke about those things without like preaching. A, it it was able to be you know tragic in that way without being like you said a bummer. Yeah, like I didn't I didn't. If anything, this movie gave me more energy than it le- took away. You know. Yeah. If nothing else, it definitely gave me the energy after, like, that was good as fuck. I texted you immediately after, like, that was a good-ass movie. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got another one for you that is one of my favorite um, war movies called um, Anthropod. And uh, hmm. it's, um, I believe it came out in 2016. And it was, like, I believe it was a lower-budget um, like it has some major actors in it, but it didn't get like a big hype when it came out. I think it was more like of an artsy movie than a like blockbuster kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But it tells this true story of this like group of, this was during World War II. So it was a group of, um, it wasn't just Jew- Jewish soldiers, but it was soldiers from mainly Jews and soldiers from other uh, countries that the Nazis had ravaged. And they are sneaking into enemy territory and they end up hiding out at this church. And like an entire Nazi brigade um, siege- sieges this church, and it's like six men just holding off an entire Nazi army for like a day. And it's just the story of them. Like they know they're going to die no matter what. And it is, it is just so brutal and it's all true. And it's, um, to me, it's just one, it's one of the more inspiring movies I had seen in a while. Definitely worth checking out Anthropod. That's what Uh, they, uh, that's what they based Call of Duty. Um, black ops the uh the nazi zombies on oh <laughs> dude that's funny you hold man. up and you see what you could do man you gotta hold them all off yeah Just keep coming dude the new call dude looks goofy you got ronald reagan telling you <laughs> to commit war crimes and listen if i can if i can play I'll, I'll spend the 60 bucks on it or however much i'm sure it's more for i'm sure like the ultimate editions or whatever they're probably like 100 bucks or whatever but I'll, I'll spend that kind of money on it if i can play as ronald reagan oh my god just bro. just just run train on a map on what's wrong with ronald reagan 
That has to exist at this point. I'm sure it does. God, you that can, sounds so much fun. You can get a Ronald Reagan mask in Payday. Yeah. They got all um, the presents. Not all the presents, but, you know, I think uh, um, I think Reagan Ford, they got yeah. a bunch of them there. Did you... I forget the name of this movie, but I think you'll know it. I think it's called... It's Full Metal something. It's not the Jacket? full... No, it's not that one. It's a Japanese... No, it... It's kind of if you mix Full Metal Jacket with Full Metal Alchemist. I'm mostly joking, but it is a <laughs> Japanese movie, um, maybe made during the 90s, and it's like just Panic? like no, it's these Japanese bank robbers that are wearing presidents masks the whole time, and it's like the funnest like heist uh, thriller from that era, in my opinion. Um. Super brutal. Um, I don't know why. I was thinking, uh, Reagan masks. Um, I don't know. We we uh, we should definitely spend some time talking about Full Metal Alchemist sometime. I like that series a lot. I haven't watched it in a while, and I want to watch it again now. Um, but that's another time. Sure. Um, you know, we should talk about um the director Sam Mendes. Yeah. Um, um I. Hadn't actually heard his name before, at least not that I was I could remember, um, until I saw it at the end of this movie, and then I realized after looking it up here um, that I've I'm a fan of uh, a de- little decent chunk of his work. Um, he does um, he's known for a lot of his stage directing um, and screenwriting, um, but he uh, he did American Beauty. Um, which I have not seen, but I know that it is one of the um, more uh, 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 um, well-known movies. Yeah, I want to watch um, that one because that was his debut film, and uh, has Kevin Spacey, who is outstanding. Um, apparently, a shitty person, mm-hmm. yeah, but does outstanding work. I want to see that one. Um, but of course he did, uh, he directed Skyfall and Spectre of the 007 series. Yeah. Um, and when I, when the, I saw the trailers for 1917, the, it was weird. I thought, I, I thought it was weird that they had directed by Sam Mendes Skyfall. And I'm like, that made me very skeptical. I was like, I don't know about that. And then you, you were filling me in that he did, uh, Spectre as well, right after, the mm-hmm. next James Bond, and I thought it was kind of weird that they would choose which James Bond film to put. You know, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get. I think it was you know like we were talking about. I think the um, Skyfall made more money. I'm not sure that it was more popular so much, but I guess it did. It made a little bit more money than Spectre did, which is yeah. sad because I really like Spectre a lot. Um, I, I know I watched that one, but that's the one I can't remember. Skyfall, I when it came out, like I'm not big on James Bond movies, but I definitely like watching them for fun. Like they're goofy, but they're always fun. Um, and Skyfall, I remember being like kind of impressed that they were, I don't know, that the re this reboot or generation of James Bond was at least going to be kind of interesting. Um, and I remember Skyfall because of the intro, but I can't remember Spectre like at all. Um, so, um, 
But first and foremost, when we get into Bond movies, and this is the next topic that we, we wanted to get into and talk yes. about, but for sure, uh, we, so we, we were planning on going off onto this tangent. Um, the Bond movies in general have been a favorite of mine, especially for the last like three years or so. Um, but for most of my life, I've, you know, I've known enough of them. Um, the Brosnan movies, I always liked a lot. Um, you know, the, those were the ones that were, um, you know, current when I was young. So that was, you know, the ones I attached myself to, uh, especially, um, the world is not enough. Um, it was, a, I got a yeah. VHS tape of world is not enough when I was really young as a gift. Dude, um, Golden Eye on sixty four. Yeah, that was so. I actually I got it from my uncle who um, had Golden Eye. I didn't have Golden Eye when I was young, but he did. And whenever I went over to their house, uh, we played together. Yeah. Um, and then he got the um, the world was not enough on N sixty four. We played that. Hell yeah. Um, so he got me the the movie for it so I could watch it. Um, so. Those ones, that's kind of started the love for it. A couple years ago, I tore uh, my hamstring up and fucked my SI up, and I, you know, couldn't work, and I was basically laid out for a couple months. So I decided to watch all the Bond movies, and <laughs> it was that's a, a good way to. It was to get such a good healing. idea. Yeah. Um, they, uh, I hadn't, I'd seen some of the Daniel Craig movies before, but I was younger. Um, and I think Skyfall was the one, the first one I watched because it was just after high school and I had watched, I was like watching on a plane or something. And I remember thinking that it, it got so much more into his feelings as a man than I wanted to see from a Bond movie than I was used to. <laughs> um, so that turned me off of the, you know, the Daniel Craig movies for a minute. Um, but after watching them, you know, uh, um, after growing up a little bit, I realized that those are some of my favorites now too. I mean, the, definitely the Brosnan ones hold a special place in my heart. You know, Connery's the original, but I love the production and the, you know, the plot lines are so much more deep. Um, definitely the art is much crazier. Um, I would say, uh, probably 60 to 70 percent of the uh roger moore movies or i think that's his name i always botch that um they're trash um <laughs> i think timothy dalton was one of the ones he had like one or two um he was also trash um they just got so goofy for a while they and i so didn't goofy. like it so you know so, some of the the um you know the the Connery ones were so. You know they're they're goofy, but it's still like an action movie, and it's you know suave, and but then they just cut so fucking off the the rails that it just wasn't. They weren't as fun to watch anymore. I always loved the the crazy gadgets. I couldn't believe how cheap. Like in my mind, I, I remembered um, those older James Bonds being like more suave and smooth and then i'm re-watching them and uh the the intro theme musics for like um die another day i think we were talking about it's just like mm -hmm. the worst graphic rendering i just i could not believe it it was real it looked like in 80s like um uh 
visualizer for music like on windows media player like a bad acid trip it was just like so bad and so funny and then like all the gadgets were like just so much more comical than i remember like i got like so hyped by like the bad cheesiness that i was like all in like you know what i mean Mm. so much fun i know they definitely went up and down between um you know their their production value based on like funding that they just could or couldn't get yeah um you know they're but you know, and now the, they're they're the all major they could, funding yeah the yeah. the things that they could do with the movies you know because they're they, they cost so much because they do crazy shit like um <laughs> fucking uh um cutting cars in half with i think it was actually um um the uh, uh uh fucking jesus the world is not enough i think there was that movie that they cut a bmw in half with a chainsaw that's being <laughs> that's being you know uh held by a, a helicopter that's like for like trimming trees in the forest and shit and i think i think i remember that because at the time that was like one of the most expensive like movie costs to, to just destroy a car for Oh yeah, the they, look of it like that they, was a big and they deal. Just, I think they keep just they keep getting more and more expensive. Um, so what's your favorite new one? Like, do you like the one Sam Mendes did most? Or? Um, I yeah, I do. Uh, of the the like, I think it's four or five Daniel Craig ones. Um, yeah, he's got five of them. Uh, Skyfall and Spectre are definitely my two favorites. Um. Or is, Spectre in particular is my 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 favorite. I, I did um, like Casino Royale. But Ca- just Casino Royale of, wasn't bad either. I think just Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. I mean, they're also good, um, but they're they weren't my favorite of the, the mm-hmm. Craig ones. Um, let me make sure I got that. Yeah, Roger Moore. I did have that right. Nice. He was trash. And the other one was uh, George uh, Lazenby. Honor Majesty Secret Service. That movie fucking sucks. <laughs> um who do you think's gonna be uh next bond oh man i don't know i was really here let me i need to i i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to get out in front of this uh when, <laughs> when when the rumors yeah i can get i can get into it with, with the bond shit um i am so disappointed with so many people in the bond you know fandom um because when they announced that idris elba might be the next bond i was fucking i was so excited for it. i love him as thought, an actor um, i was i thought that would be pretty cool too man he's, he's outstanding he's, he does serious really well he delivers comedy really well um you know he's definitely you know really attractive and suave like he can pull that off no problem and <laughs> he's he's got you know he's british you know he <laughs> could definitely nail that so i that's the it made me so mad when he got so much hate over it and everyone threw a big fit because, you know, because he's black. And it's like, that's, that has nothing, it doesn't matter because each, it's, you know, played by so many different characters now. And they act yeah. so different. Like he could nail, you know, exactly what you want to see in a Bond movie because he's, he got the character. And it's all like the Bond is an an anonymous spy character. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, get the fuck out of here. You know, and there's, you know, the the story where, you know, there are some people that, you know, try to cover the, 
you know, that it's a different person each time because it's, you know, it's just a, a code name for, a, um, you know, any given spy that takes that, that you know, right. job. Right. But, you know, the main plot line of it, and which I do want to get into a little bit, is, you know, that it's just one person that's been doing it the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. one, one, you know, character, if you will. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it just, it made me really mad. And of course, um, you know, as, as he showed up, he was like, nope, never mind. I'm not, not even interested anymore, which, you know, is that what happened? Yeah. A bunch of people got all pissed off about it, you know, and they were like, no, like this, and they threw up, you know, uh, up in arms about it. And he was like, you know what? Never mind. I don't even want it. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't even want to get involved with that shit. Fuck that. Fuck wow. all y'all. Good for him. Uh, Cause yeah. I think what isn't. Didn't it like all start because some like a random tweet on Twitter, like somebody suggested it would be a cool idea and then it just like took I, off on the I internet. I feel like that was right, yeah. I don't even I'm not even sure if it was a thing that people were, you know, was serious about. I know right. that at one point he was being considered for it. Um or he was looking forward to being serious. considered for it, yeah. And then he was like, No, nah, never mind. Mm-hmm. Um which is a shame. Um, Did, if you ever watched any of the stuff of the guy, I, I think it's a sir or something, the guy that wrote James Bond. Um, uh, um, ooh, uh, sir Arthur. Or, 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 or. Oh, damn it. What is his fucking name? Is it Conan Doyle? Is it that dude? No. Uh, Ian Fleming. The, yes. Yeah. Who the fuck is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Why did I think of that? Arthur. Oh, I think he is an actor. Or he's, he's a writer, a, I mean. Okay, um, what the fuck did he write? He and did, why is he um, in my head? Sherlock ooh. Holmes. Did he do he, Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. All right, I was thinking of um, Lost World, I think. At, at least that wasn't so far off. But there's there's a couple documentaries on Fleming because he actually was a British intelligence officer. He never was in the field or or anything, but he basically would hear all these stories at work of these thriller spy things, like real world things that he couldn't ever speak about. And he was always inspired. And I think he was a little jealous, but um, there's, I think there's two different documentaries on him because he later in life after retiring i believe he like moved to some island like in hawaii or mexico or some shit and he became like a hardcore alcoholic slash addict i believe i may be wrong but i think he was doing like a lot of speed and drinking like very heavily and he would just sit at his typewriter and bang out james bond scripts yeah i've definitely heard a lot of controversial things about ian fleming um and about like the actual his writing versus the you know the stories and you know he he hadn't actually written anything since uh, i mean he died in 64 64 Um, yeah so he you know there's so many of the stories that were like based on the movies i mean were based on his stories but not you know uh, uh directly the same or they're kind of loosely based on that with some of the um, the characters of you know uh, um, excuse me uh, of other books that were other people had written um, yeah and there I were think eight, eight other book uh, authors that wrote um, you know Bond novels 
Right, and I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention Ian Fleming also was the the one who wrote the children's story, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. No shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's funny because like, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, <laughs> <laughs> like it it was like a kids movie. Like I don't know if Disney actually did that, but it was like a real soft kids movie, right? Mm. But but that book, like even if you look at the original cover, it's a spy movie. That car was like a prototype for like a James Bond vehicle. Like it was a plane with guns and all these oh. gadgets and shit. And it like it didn't sing. <laughs> it was like a spy vehicle kind of thing. And it somehow turned into a kids movie. That's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Um so one of like I said, one of the the things that I like about the Bond series is the the deep lore. Um, that they don't address in all movies and they definitely, they take a break from, um, you know, they address some of it in some of the, uh, the Connery movies and they make references to it throughout, um, you know, the Roger Moore era. Um, I think they did in one of the Timothy Dalton movies, they made a reference to Blofeld, but, um, there's the, it built the trope that like, of course, um, you know, Austin Powers and shit, um, was, was, what was his name? Uh, Dr. Evil, you know, was based on a, um, character in the Bond series known as, uh, Blofeld. And okay. he, well, you know, he's the guy with the, um, the scar and the cat, you know, oh, that he's yeah, petting yeah, yeah. and he shows up in, um, you know, several of the movies, um, just either just as a quick like cutaway or like giving someone direction or um you know goofy shit like that um but it doesn't always like last very long um but it's always like a, sometimes like a little different um showing of like his character and what he looks like so it wasn't always you know zoned in upon but there are different different representations of them. But the, there's the organization of Spectre. Uh, Spectre is, you know, he's got his number one and his number two, or he is number one. His number two was uh, Las, La, Lasco, I think was his name. Um, but he's the one that is in Thunderball. Um, in, the, in Thunderball, he's got the, uh, the sharks with the... Um, you know, mind control on them to make them more aggressive and shit. I don't even think I've heard that title. Thunderball? Thunder- I don't Th- think I've ever even heard of that one. I think that was like the third or fourth one. Okay. Um, so that had Con- that was Connery. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they, like I said, they, they kind of break into it a, a little bit with the, um, Sean Connery movies and a little bit more throughout the, the Roger Moore ones, but they, the, um, Daniel Craig movies really get back to it. And especially in, um, excuse me, inspector, you know, they bring that back and they reveal a lot of the deep lore where, you know, who Blofeld is. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's meant to be this way in the books or if it was, you know, written, you know, uh, the details were written after, um, of like the origin of, of Blofeld and where he comes, comes from. And like, 
of right. Spectre as an organization, but it basically goes in to say like all these different things that happened in James Bond's life of like, um, there's one of the movies where he gets married and decides to like retire. Um, mm. but Blofeld and his crew like shoot up his car and like kill his wife. And, um, you know, stuff like that, that like they make references to like all those things happen. I set that up and like Blofeld comes out and he's the antagonist of, uh, the movie. And I think he's supposed to be the antagonist of the new one that's supposed to come out next April too. I wonder if that's still on track. Um, well, it was supposed to come out this month, but they, they just pushed it back again to April. It was actually supposed to come out originally April earlier this year. Yeah, um, now I remember that, and they but the the COVID, and that's interesting because that means they have it fully filmed, and they just don't want it to come out during a bad selling time. Right, that's um, kind of interesting. I don't. It's probably smart. No, well, actually, I think they they said production didn't happen because of COVID, so they didn't actually have it completely like fucked with yet and maybe it was they might have been filming overseas or something where it did you know it took a hold sooner than that they must have been close though yeah because they pushed it back a little bit initially and then they pushed it back a year yeah right yeah did you you see that article I, i sent you i did see that it was there i hadn't looked at it it's a pretty cool one um i love this fucking website boing boing um but uh, in 1964, a British diplomat arrived in the capital capital of Poland, then vanished, thwarting the minder's order to shadow his every movement. Um, his name was Bond, James Bond. So this article is uh, basically that recently disclassified documents um, show that there was an actual MI6 agent in the 60s named James Bond, and that it could be possible that... Ian Fleming based the character off a real agent named James Bond. And I some people actually knew this James and they they think maybe that Fleming just used his name um and d- didn't really know much about him but that there's at least some basis of truth for the character. I th- think that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't uh, I didn't realize that. He used um, to smoke a pipe, had a fisherman's cap. He was totally laid-back person. He had one passion in his life, which was golf, which he wasn't very good at. <laughs> uh, it also says he, he was very careful, but he, he liked to drink. He showed an interest in women, um, that they and they had that in a secret file, but his family says that he was not a womanizer. Damn. Which, uh, you know, James Bond is that. notoriously... They had to make that clear. Dude, I could not believe watching some of the older ones. Like, he fucks like two-thirds of every woman character. Any female in the movie, it's like two-thirds of. Like, I couldn't believe it was like his psychiatrist, his nurse. It's like Yeah, exactly. This part, it's just like one after the I was like, how did they get away with doing this? And like, definitely in the, the Connery ones were yeah. you know, were they just overt shit and some of it's funny but it, it's some of it's hard to watch I, yeah and with the daniel craig ones at least it's like there might be like one love interest romance thing per movie yeah exactly and, and it feels more i don't know 
just not so ridiculous. Now, with that, I do want to say, like, of course, there's always the, um, the tension between um, Bond and Money Penny. Like, I, I love those characters. Mm-hmm. I love M and Q and Money Penny as you know, just <laughs> Money that, Penny. That they're always, yeah, they're always different. You know, not always different, but there's you know the the cycling of different people in between those roles. Yet mm-hmm. the the chemistry still the same. You know, especially you right. know, Q was, you know, um, oh, the gentleman, I forget his name, um, but um, the his last film with them was um, The World Is Not Enough, I think. Um, mm. And he, you know, he had been Q from the very beginning, um, if I'm if I'm if I'm right about that. But he. uh and then know, even Q's... that transition was was really smooth and good. The the new guy was took over no problem. But didn't Q become a woman? What's her name? Um, no, that's M. Um, M. Okay. Q okay. is Q is the quartermaster. He's the one that does all the uh, the gadgets and shit. Oh, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, M yeah, is and... the uh, the director. I forget her name. She she um, stated Ju- as that role. Was it Judy Dench. That sounds right. I think she stayed right. as that role for like two generations of James Bond, didn't she? Um, she yeah, she became she became Q, uh, M. I want to say while Brosnan was still Bond, right? And she was killed off. She was killed off in Skyfall. Right now, I remember. So she definitely went a couple decades. Yeah, man, Skyfall. I I liked. That's probably my favorite. Just because, and it's it was cool. Like with perspective now to realize that you know, Sean Mendes um, directed Skyfall, and then all these years later later would make 1917 but because skyfall had a big influence on me because that intro i did realize i i hate that song i am not a fan of liddell okay see i actually I, I of of like pop artists i like Adele. Uh, yeah uh, then i i like the song I, I might like it more than a lot of other pop stuff but i don't i don't like the song but the art for skyfall's intro um so that was 2013 and at that time there wasn't like like i was in school for graphic design and audio video production and i was doing my own art which is very graphic design and design based and i loved video stuff but at the time like there wasn't a lot of um really cool motion graphic stuff like the type of stuff we see in like every other music video today um really cool text and design elements 3d motion video work there just wasn't nearly as much of that and the intro for skyfall um i just rewatched it and it's not quite as um great as i remembered but it still was very influential because they did some they did some cool things in that for for the time that um, affected my artwork later. So just because of that alone, I'll always have um, 
a special fondness for Skyfall. Yeah, I um, I definitely feel like in the last, you know, uh, uh, decade or so, the Daniel Craig movies in general have brought back um, a, I, I guess, a, a renaissance of like the the artwork being good um, for the Bond movies. The, the Brosnan years were, weren't weren't so bad either, um, but the, I think the in general the music and the um, art in the intros, it's always been like a, um, like a characterization or a characterizing thing of the, you know, Bond series. And sometimes they got really goofy. And of course, in like the seventies, kind of, um, the, the sixties and seventies really made the, created the style that they go for, which is kind of like trippy. And of course, girls and guns and, you know, cars and shit. Um, but in, in, you know, that carries through, but they, they got, you know, as all the Bond movies kind of did, they just kind of got goofy through the, you know, the late seventies and eighties. Um, it just wasn't fucking good anymore. No, I think they're at a better place now. Oh, absolutely. if you had to choose between 1917 and Skyfall or Spectre, which would you pick? Um, is this a movie that I'm just going to like turn around and watch now or I can only watch, you know, like if it's one of those like your desert island kind of style. Desert island style. Uh, desert island, I would I would probably go Spectre, actually. Would you? Yeah, only because... Um, I have to rewatch it before I can fully judge. Um, but I know I would go 1917. There was, there's so much emotion a, a stronger range i guess of emotion and comedy and it's it, I, I, I this is specifically desert island you know scenario i know like, i i get why you're saying it. Yeah. if also there's there's a lot more women in it um, <laughs> there were notably none uh, oh there was that there has... was one there was one in 1917 <laughs> yeah, yeah that doesn't help um, uh yeah i get the, what you mean um Desert Island value, James Bonds have a lot more value probably than yeah. a intense war movie thriller. But, um, ah, man, now that makes, I would struggle with that choice now. I feel like I, I would probably choose 1917 and then be upset, like, <laughs> if I survived, like, a year beyond that island just watching it on repeat very sad either way either way you would end up going insane thinking that you were part of that you worked for the government you were in the military i um, i had texted you after watching it i said 1917 made me want to cry and go to war yeah exactly <laughs> that that's the subtitle for this episode <laughs> The, the trash cats trash cast will make you want to cry and go to war die, and die in a war <laughs> oh man i never thought uh we would have a podcast talking about uh war movies and james bond not at all <laughs> i'm the, loving it um i just remembered this I and mean, this is just a fun piece of trivia um that i remembered uh, James Bond was because we were talking about the military thing. Mm. I'm pretty sure James Bond was a Navy commander, I think, before he was imparted to the uh, the Double O program. Mm. And I think I remember that specifically from one of the movies <laughs> where they're on board a submarine, and he knows how to drive it. Yeah, he they <laughs> they he's 
he's got to either take control of it or they're talking about his, um, you know, uh, um, uh, the hierarchy of who's on the, the submarine. And it's like, right. he outranks somebody or something. Oh um, my God. I, I don't remember if that's actually what it was or if I'm placing that in my head from learning lower shit, but it's just goofy little tidbit of information there. That's funny, man. Um, Fucking is there yo, any... Pierce Brosnan's 16, 67 years old. Oh, is he? Yeah, apparently. That's why he's in Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> is there uh is there anything else we want to cover on either of them? Uh, no, I don't think I'm good. Cool, cool. I think we talked. I think I talked enough. Yeah, I feel like, whoop, a little talked out. Um, what do we do? We want to. <laughs> Do we want to talk about what we're going to do episode and then do next episode and then change it and do something else? Oh, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, or maybe we not. Doing? Maybe we'll mix it up. Yeah, um, we um, next week is our uh, kind of chill sesh week. So I think uh, at yeah. least how I had that planned in my head was just like, we're just going to turn on the microphones and just talk shit to each other. And we're going to just see how it goes. And I, I think that's, I think we'll have a, you know, maybe a couple of things that we might want to talk about separately. It'll be like a, an extended edition of, uh, of honorable mentions, maybe. Or, That'll be cool. uh, yeah, you know, just we'll, freestyle. I might, you know, maybe, maybe I had a really shitty week and I'll talk about it. Yo, here, <laughs> actually, here is something I want to talk about. I got this, this Carolina Reaper pepper powder from uh, Wilson oh, farms, yeah. uh, up here. Shout out to Wilson farms. They got these good ass peppers. They Thanks for sponsoring the, uh, us. Yeah. Thank you for sponsoring us. Uh, Wilson farms. Uh, you can get them at the Royal Oak, uh, farmer's market in, uh, Metro Detroit. Uh, during the summertime, I don't think they're operating during the wintertime. They're, you know, growing them hothouse peppers, um, getting them ready for next season. But, yo, they were, they, so they got like reaper peppers, they had whatever, but they also make, turn, take the peppers and they make powders out of them. I got Carolina oh, reaper man. pepper powder and I put a little bit, just a little tiny little bit. It's just the end of a fork, a little tiny bit on a piece of chicken last night and I ate it. And it was, it's been sitting in my, in my stomach <laughs> And in my intestines, you know, for the last 24 hours, and it's just slowly moving through and murdering me. It's just the burning sensation is incredible. Um, That's so brutal. And that's like from such a small amount. Like, that's incredible. So that little jar is going to last me the rest of my life. I don't think I paid more than like 15 bucks for it. It was so worth it, though. Man, I I haven't had the the Reaper. I've had... (laughs) Ghost peppers, like a whole pepper. Um, oh, once. no. I, I don't that think I've brutal. ever eaten. I haven't whole eaten anything hotter than a habanero. Yeah. Because I, I just don't smart. want to go there. Yeah, I've had I, like the, the source extract shit, and I've had that before, and that's all a mistake. It's bad. You, you're not supposed to ingest shit like that straight. It's wrong. Yeah. Dude, um... If anyone yeah. ever asks you to do the ghost pepper or the Carolina Reaper pepper challenge, you tell them to go fuck themselves. It's a bad I, idea. It is a bad idea for sure. I will say I don't regret having done it like for the the experience factor, but I will say it ruins your fucking day and there are repercussions. If you um, do it, throw that shit up. Yeah, I remember the day I did that, I know I definitely um, 
man, I got really sick, but we also played hot potato with a taser gun. So it was, it was a fun day overall. But um, I, I, it, you had reminded me with the peppers. Netflix um, has a new show, We Are the Champions. Um, mm. The first episode, they each episode like features different champions of like a weird field. And the first episode is about the cheese wheel running, which if you are not familiar, that first episode will get you so fucking weak. Um, I believe it's England, but these people just fucking roll down the steepest hill you've ever seen to catch a cheese wheel. And they've been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, it's hilarious. That's the first episode. But the second episode is about hot pepper eating competitions. And it's the world champions of, like, eating peppers. And, like, they have this competition by this this Carolina Reaper grower who, I guess, is, like, a big deal. I think he's based in Texas or some shit. But, like, the last round of this competition, dude, like, they probably at that point had ate, like, maybe, like, 20 Carolina Reapers each round. Each round of the competition, they go up to a hotter and hotter pepper. And by like, there are 13 rounds in this competition. By round 10, they're eating multiple Carolina Reapers at once. And it gets to the point, like, four of these pepper eaters won't give up. So they're like, they're using new Carolina Reaper um, hybrids that are still unranked by the Guinness World Records, but they know that they're hotter than regular Reapers, and they have, like, giant versions. And people are, like, they've ate, like, 50 peppers already, and they're trying these new experimental peppers that are hotter than Reapers, like, Mm. dying. And it is brutal. You'll get a kick out of it, especially, like, if you were to watch that tonight after this while you're, yeah, still I'm struggling probably, with I'm probably it. about to because I just saw <laughs> I just saw that it was uh, it's narrated by Rain Wilson. Oh, um, it, I didn't catch that Tim. Dude, yeah. it's a it's a fun one. Uh, the the first two episodes are by far the best. The cheese wheel and the hot peppers you'll get a kick out of for sure. It's good I chill will, one before bed kind of thing. Uh, while I'm talking about Rain Wilson, I'd like to say that uh, I'm proud of the fact that. <laughs> I'm proud of the fact that I knew Rain Wilson from House of a Thousand Corpses before I knew him from The Office. Oh, man, that's funny. Not The Office had come out before. No, that's not true. I saw House of a Thousand Corpses in theaters. I was way too young to be in that movie theater. I don't Dude, know who the fuck, like, how I got out in there. But See, I couldn't figure out. I knew him from House of a Thousand Corpses first, and then I couldn't tell if he actually was Dwight in The Office or yeah, not. Yeah, that's Dwight. Like, it... It took me like a while to like, um, like I thought it was a guy who just looked like him. I couldn't the, believe it was the same guy for a while. The every time I watch House of a Thousand Corpses now, I picture his character just as, he's Dwight. That's fucking hilarious. It's, yeah, it's really funny that way. That's so funny. All right, that's uh, Shit. that's all I got. I'm uh, I'm done on tangents. We we'll save that for next week. Um. Yeah, sounds as, good to me. As always, uh, shout out to your brother. Yeah, uh, approaching human on SoundCloud. He he does our intro outro music. We'll we'll share some links. We got stuff for our social media stuff. We'll be um 
We'll be announcing those sooner than later, but we got stuff to go with the episodes. Um, I have my social media um, on Instagram. I have my new art account. It is Skyzix, S-K-Y-Z-I-C-X on Instagram. Um, just started that page up, and we got some people following, so that's been cool. Yo, you've been blasting artwork through that. Every dude, I, every time I feel like I open Instagram, I see like another new thing from you. I'm like, fuck, dude. Have you been like saving up pieces, or are you just cranking them out? Uh, well, I try to like put up something every day, but like since I'm restarting account, like I have, dude, my portfolio, and like I probably don't like a third of my work now, but I have like 500 pieces. Like I have at least three or four hundred and even if i don't like a third of them like i could post shit every day for a year fuck yeah so i'm like trying to like hurry up and like repopulate this page of to get some of my work there yeah yeah true so i'm I'm having fun with it though it's it's kind of it's always difficult going through old work because like you'll like forget about things and be like both impressed with things you made and also like disappointed like you get like there's like a oh, yeah, whole emotional yeah, what, what the aspect. fuck was i thinking here why why did i call this done yeah dude and it's sometimes it's fun when you get a chance to to remake something that didn't feel quite right at first so mm-hmm. i'm gonna have fun with it Good. um so when we'll have our uh trash cats trash cats dude i couldn't do that intro i would fuck it up <laughs> time. but I, we'll have our social medias up soon yeah, you know, I, I thought I, I thought I nailed it last time until you pointed out that I didn't say the the wrong name. Of the I episode, but it's, it's uh, so funny. We're, 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 leave it. Fuck it. Yeah, Easter it's, eggs. Easter eggs, boy. <laughs> we'll have a compilation uh, one day. Oh, for sure. Well, I enjoyed talking about this with you, and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, next time's freestyle. And I I can't wait to talk about that other stuff we were talking about, the Truman Show, and some. Uh, yeah, some, some sim- simulation theory shit. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have fun with that soon too. So, good shit coming. Um yep. Signing off. Meow. Uh... Meow. Don't be a dick. <laughs> See you guys next time. Bye. that one recorded i know (laughs) yeah i'm so glad we didn't stop recording that's awesome it'll be meow meow